Next week, I think we're going to give you a rare treat, which I'm not going to tell you too much about, but be here next Sunday. Uh, it's going to be real good. So we're going to do a kind of a one-off thing next Sunday, now the series is finished. But after that, something that's even more exciting is we're going to start um, a series called The Big Story. Uh, some of you may have uh, heard about this. If you're, if you're a leader and you came to the leaders' meeting, you would have heard Chris talk about this. And basically, um, so we've got next week a one-off, and then after that, I think we're going to spend about, it's eight weeks, is that right? It's eight weeks. Um, going through this book, and it's basically it's a it's a book written by a kind of a friend of someone we know and, and really respect. So um, this basically will take us from Genesis, the first book of the Bible, all the way through to Revelation, the last book of the Bible, and it's just a really um, brief, but it's going to be good um, route through the scriptures. Just for those of us who uh, maybe haven't read all the way through, we don't understand how all the dots connect. Maybe those of us who it's just we need a bit of a refresher. But I want to plug it in two ways. I want to say, come along because it's going to be really good. And secondly, this book is available for you as well to buy. Okay, so on our bookstore, you can go up and I don't know how much it is, two pound fifty or something like that. It's a good little book, uh, and it'll be really good, and it would help you for when maybe you're not here or, or you know whatever, or if you just want to follow it. That this book, we're going to basically take the basic framework of this book, the chapters and stuff like that, and, and preach our own way through it. And it'd be really helpful uh, for you, really, uh, for you to grab one of these and kind of follow along. And also, if you're a small group leader, or if you just meet up with a bunch of friends, it might be really good for you to have this, because you can follow the podcast when you're not hearing the book and stuff. So I just encourage you, we're really excited about it as a team to, to be kind of preaching through uh, every book of the Bible, if you like, uh, in eight weeks, it's going to be challenging. Uh, we are switching to four-hour services. Um, <laughs> but we know that you're cool with that. Anyway, so uh, let me tell you where we've been for three weeks, just for those of you who are just visiting us today. Um, we started off with Chris, and he, he spoke about, um, basically introduced the whole theme of faith. That actually, uh, for the Christian, they don't have great confidence in what they have been able to achieve, but actually in what Jesus achieved. That actually having faith is about putting your confidence, your trust, your life in the hands of Jesus. Uh, and then, uh, who, who did saving, saving faith? I can't remember. Was it you, Den? Okay, Den did, uh, Den, did, that's it. Den did saving faith. That faith is actually, it's by faith that we are saved. That actually the moment we cross over from... Um, being a little bit disconnected from God, or totally to connect to God, it happens by faith. That's the bridge we have to cross to get there. And then last week, Chris spoke about healing faith. That God longs to do stuff, restore us, heal us. And you can get all these things on the podcast if you go onto our website, uh, vineyardchurch.co.uk, uh, and click on listen or talks, whatever it is. Uh, you can catch, I think, the last 10 talks uh, through iTunes. So please do that. But I'm going to kind of finish today and kind of do a, a little roundup of... Uh, the whole kind of series really, but talk about faith in one particular direction um, as well. So let me just pray if I can, and then we'll, we'll get going. Yeah, Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that um, everything rests on you, Lord, not me. Because I would uh, oversleep, Lord, and stuff wouldn't get done. But Lord, your word says that you uh, are just perfect. And that you, you always continually pray for us. And are calling us, gathering us back to yourself. And we pray this morning, Lord, as we look at, say, uh, look at faith that actually delivers, faith that is real. Pray that you would speak to our hearts, oh God. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, 
We could do a number of things. It's the cool thing about faith is it's a topic you can just keep going and going and going on. But I want to finish today by telling you about faith that delivers, faith that actually works. Because I don't know about you, some people kind of view faith as something that, um, well, you know, some people think that to have faith is to have a belief in something, but that it doesn't really happen. So I don't know if you talk to someone about being a Christian and, and, and they kind of think, oh, that's great, you know, and they think that you have a belief in heaven or you have a belief that is somewhere off in the distance, but it's not really about now. Sure, you have a few different, you live differently, your morals are different and stuff like that, but actually your faith is about something far off and, and distant and not really attached to this moment right here. But actually, the, the Bible talks about a, a different kind of faith. And let me, let me read you uh, something from, uh, and this is probably the, the most famous quote, or the most common quote uh, from the scriptures on faith. It's in Hebrews 11, verse 1. Let me read it to you. It says this. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for, hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Faith is the, is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. See, now, that verse there would disagree with someone who says that faith is just about something that's, that's just way off. It would say that faith is actually this confident assurance, scripturally, that the concept of faith, or how faith works, is actually far more concrete then often maybe we assume it, or the people who don't quite understand where we're at would, would think it is. It's actually a far more concrete thing. It's actually like having confidence that it works. We're not wishing for something when we say we have faith. When I say I have faith in Jesus, I'm not wishing, I'm not hoping that, you know, he's there like I'm hoping Santa's there or the tooth fairy. Because, you know, obviously Santa's not real, but tooth fairy, we know she is. What? Um, it's the confident hope. And I want to I talk about how actually faith is concrete and real and how it works and how it maneuvers around the things that we happen to us in life and the things that we encounter. And I want to do it by looking at one character who I think throughout all the Bible is probably um, the biggest representative of faith that really works and delivers and real faith. That's really grounded in something, okay? But you're going to know this guy, so I'm going to need your help this morning for you to just forget everything you know about this character, okay? So we're going to talk about the character of Joseph. Now, who has, has any concept or any idea about the character of Joseph in the Bible? Anyone? Okay. Who remembers Philip Schofield playing Joseph? Okay, more of you. Who remembers Jason Donovan? Even more of you. Shocking. I need you to forget everything. I need you to forget Philip Schofield. I need you to forget Andrew Lloyd Webber. I need you to forget that stupid coat of many colours. I need you to forget it, okay? Because actually, scripturally, the actual word means long t-shirt of many colours. So it's not a very cool, splendorous thing. It's a geeky thing, okay? Just, it, it, they were like, oh, rubbish. Um, I need you to forget everything. And we're going to look at three stages of Joseph's life and how faith worked in his life, how actually it delivered for him. So first thing, first time we meet um, Joseph, we're introduced to him in Genesis uh, chapter 37. And uh, he's introduced as, as someone who has this great 
dream. Let me, let me actually read this to you. This is in Genesis 37, verses 5 to 8. One night Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. Imagine your little brother telling you this. His brothers responded, do you think that you'll be our king? Do you actually think that you're going to reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and, they, and the way he talked about them. So the first time we meet Joseph, he's a strange character. He's 17 at this time, very, very young, young buck. And uh, he has this dream. And he's already hated by his brothers. But I'll tell you why. I'll tell you a bit of the backstory. His father, Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. And he had, I think, 12. No, yeah, 12. Okay. So he's already quite like, his brothers are already like, oh, we hate him. You know, he does all, he hits us, he does this stuff, but that Jacob, our dad, only ever sees us do it. Joseph always gets away with it. He's got the coat, he gets all the nice food, he gets to stay in when it's rainy and not have to work in the field. They already hate him, but Joseph comes along and he, he tells them, I had this dream. And in it, I was your king. What do you think? And they obviously don't like this very much. And uh, if you know anything more about the story, they actually, one day he's sent out and they look out and they say, oh, here comes the dreamer. Let's kill him. And his brothers take him and they throw him down a well. And it's not a well with a splash. It's a well with a splat. (laughs) And uh, they leave him almost for dead. But then they decide, actually, hold on, this isn't good. We're just going to kill him and feel guilty. Let's get him back up. Let's sell him. And then we'll make some money. And they sell him off and he becomes a slave. But more of that in a minute. But first stage of Joseph's life. And this is a stage maybe most of us or a lot of us are in. He has this dream. This faith that something is going to happen to him. This faith that his life is about something. But he doesn't yet see anything. He actually has another dream and he shares that with his father. And in that dream, it's not just his brothers, but his father and his mother also worship and bow down before him. And his his dad gets a bit offended by that, as you would. Hey, dad, want to worship me? No, thanks, son. (laughs) We introduced him as a dreamer. And he has this faith that what he's dreamed, that what God has used in this dream is going to come to pass. And I wonder if maybe you're in that place where you have some sort of faith in that God is going to do something with you, but you don't quite know what. Maybe that God is there, that things have happened in your life and you can't quite do the math and add the dots up yet and join everything up. But you know that there's something there, but it's not really a concrete thing yet. This is where Joseph is at at this point in his life. And maybe he should have kept quiet about it and just mulled it over rather than telling everyone and getting killed. Well, attempted murder. But this is where he's at. He, he's just kind of, he's got this dream. He has this faith that God is going to do something, but it's not quite there yet. And I think so many people, so many people who go to churches, so many people of many different faiths have this kind of faith that actually there's something there. And I've had some experiences, but I, I, it's not seen it yet. And maybe you're wiser than Joseph and you haven't really shared that with anyone yet. It's just kind of something in your mind. 
because you think, oh, I won't share those dreams, those stuff with other people. But maybe that's where you're at. So Joseph, first stage, the dreamer. But then life happens to him. Well, his brothers happen to him. And they end up selling him to some uh, Ishmaelite traders, okay? enemies of uh, Joseph and his family. And they take him off and they sell him to a guy called Potiphar. So at this point, Joseph was having a great time before, right? Number one kid in the family, got the nice geeky t-shirt, dad's favorite, having a dream, everyone's going to bow down, everything's going great. Pretty soon afterwards, he's been sold off and now he's a slave. The coat's gone. The privilege is gone. He's no longer the favorite. In fact, now he's just, just another dirty slave. Another bit of manual labor for Egyptians. And he's sold off to these traders and eventually he arrives in the house of a guy called Potiphar. And Potiphar was a, a big guy. In charge of lots of the affairs of the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And uh, he goes there and um, life takes a turn because obviously he's not free anymore and he's, he's this slave. But an interesting thing happens. And this is why I think Joseph is such a hero of faith and such a standout. He doesn't get bitter. And he doesn't kind of lose his way even though he's forced against his will. And even though life, all these circumstances come against him and they ruin the original dream, or so you'd think. That actually now he's a slave. Now life is going badly. The weird thing about Joseph is he keeps his faith. He keeps his belief in God and the belief that God is going to do something with him. And something even worse happens um, about 10 years into him being a slave. 10 years in. Potiphar's wife begins to make advances at him. Actually, we're told that she would literally just try and rip his clothes off and just say, come on, my husband's out in the field. Let's have sex. Let's do it. Let's do the funky mama. Let's get down. Okay? Let's just go. But Joseph is just... He's such an honorable guy that he doesn't want to dishonor his boss, Potiphar, by sleeping with his wife. And you need to know that culturally, slaves were just slaves. You could use them for anything. Part of the job of a slave is, if your master wanted sex, it happened. You couldn't have a headache if you were a slave. You couldn't go, there's something on TV, I've got to do the washing up. No, you're a slave, that's how it goes. So Joseph is kind of breaking ranks even with being a slave here. And Potiphar's wife demands sex of him and he refuses. And actually she tries to jump his bones one day when he's doing some cooking. And he runs for his life. Runs. But Potiphar's wife is such a scheming piece of work that she actually begins to scream and shout. And she tells all the servants, that Joseph, that dirty Hebrew slave tried to rape me. And Joseph gets... Taken. Once Potiphar hears, Potiphar goes loopy, absolutely loopy. Let me tell you. It says Potiphar, this is in uh, Genesis 39. Potiphar was furious when he heard about his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and he threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were being held. And there he remained. But here's the interesting thing. But the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. 
Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Now, I need to tell you something I didn't tell you. When, before the rape charge, when Joseph was in charge of the affairs of Potiphar, he did this amazing job. And he, he, he achieved a rank amongst the slaves, far above anyone else. And now Joseph's life has attacked him and messed with his dream, messed with his faith, his beliefs. And now rotting in prison on a trumped-up charge. Still, this guy does not begin to get angry and bitter and shout and moan and stamp his feet. But he just remains faithful. And as a result, we're told that the Lord is with him. And as a result of that, we're told everything goes well. And eventually, he's put in charge of all the other prisoners and all the affairs of the prison. To the point where the prison warden has got his feet up. And he's just like, whatever. You, just, you run it. I'm going out. Somewhere. He just got it covered. How are you when life goes badly? How does your faith react? Whatever kind of whatever level you're at. How does it react when life suddenly throws a curveball at you and it hits you clean in the face? What happens to you? Because what happened to Joseph, what marks Joseph out, what's amazing about the faith of Joseph is it seems to just get stronger the more he gets hit by life. And sometimes I tell you the truth, I wish I was like Joseph. It doesn't take much for me to lose my faith, just the M25. (laughs) Seriously, I'm like a Christian, I'm a pastor, I love people, I'm looking and hoping that people will be saved. I get on the M25, I'm a murderer, I hope you all die. I'm just thinking, I'm just going to take as many of you out as I can. <laughs> At least I would if I could actually move, but it just stops when you get on there. His faith is amazing. His faith is amazing. And then it carries on, the next stage. So you've got the first stage, the, the kind of faith that isn't really showing. And then the second stage, faith when actually everything's against you. Faith when it makes no sense. It seems like Joseph, oh wow, he still got it. But there's the third stage. And this is the good bit, I guess, for Joseph. Eventually, through Joseph doing some more stuff and God being with him, he's released from prison and he actually <laughs> becomes a ruler in Egypt. Actually, he helps Pharaoh out with some dreams and some pressure. And then he's put in charge of this food program. That for 14 years there's going to be uh, this, well, for seven years there's going to be this great famine, uh, great, uh, sorry, great loads of uh, crops and stuff, real abundance. And then for seven years there's going to be famine. And he's put in charge of that and he, he runs this, this whole economy so that not only do the Egyptians remain alive and feed their kids, but actually other nations end up coming to Egypt and borrowing food and stuff like that. He does this amazing job. And in Genesis 42, let's just turn to it. We're told of some of the stuff that goes along with it. See, he's now a ruler and he's still faithful. But where his brothers were, I think in the land of Midian or somewhere, they're suffering and they end up coming to Egypt to get some food. And we're told this in uh, Genesis 42. Since Joseph was governor of all Egypt and in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was to him that his brothers came. 
This is interesting. When they arrived, they bowed before him with their faces to the ground. They bowed before him with their faces to the ground. This is a moment where Joseph's faith is rewarded. When actually his faith delivers. That dream all those years ago, 13 years ago, 14 years ago, when he was a young boy, before he spent two years in prison, before he spent 10 years as a slave, and however many years ruling Egypt, all that stuff there suddenly comes true. That dream that got him into all the trouble now is reality. Faith delivers. And I want to tell you something. We've looked at these three stages, and, and some of you hopefully are going to be in different ones. Some of you this morning are going to be not quite sure about something. You have a faith, and it's vague, and it's not real. Others of you maybe have a slightly stronger faith, or you're at the same level. But life is so knocking seven bells out of you that it's hard for you to get a grip on it. But others of you hopefully are here, or you've been here. That actually... Your faith in God, your relationship with God is getting to a place where you're experiencing some of the promises and some of the things that God said he would do in your life. Maybe dreams you've had are, are, are coming to pass. And one thing I'd say is faith is easy when it's easy. Faith is easy when it's easy. When you've got a job, when life's smooth, when your relationships are good, it's easy to be a follower of Jesus. It's easy peasy. Lemon, squeezy, so easy. But actually it's when life gets a real grip on you and when it begins to mess with you, that's when faith actually really does its work. And let me tell you a, a thing, and this is, this is key to the whole series. We are called not to just have faith, but to be Faithful. We are called not just to have faith, not to make some statement, to have some list of beliefs, to tick the Christian box. We're not called to that. We're called to be faithful. And this is what marks Joseph out from maybe so many of us. That isn't just that he believes one thing or another, not that he attends one church or another, but actually that no matter what, he remains faithful to the, what, what he knows of God. And it isn't always a lot. God isn't actually mentioned a whole lot in the story of Joseph. But we get from his life that he has this confidence. And he remains faithful no matter what. When it's easier just to sleep with Potiphar's wife. Because he's a slave. Who cares? I'm, I'm as good as dead anyway. He doesn't. When, it's, when there's a choice to get bitter and angry that life has robbed him of stuff. He doesn't. He keeps his hope alive. He is, he is faithful. He's faithful. So many of us, uh, we think that to have faith is a one-off thing. We talk about coming to faith. And I understand that language there, but sometimes it betrays us if we begin to think about it. Because actually, you and I, we need to have faith every day, every moment, every decision. I became a Christian at 17 at the, the back of a small uh, evangelical free church with a recovering alcoholic and uh, some girl with short hair. Um, <laughs> and my faith then, 
It's not my faith now because it has to change. You and I have to remain faithful. And sometimes I speak to people and they're so upset that God is not doing this or God's not doing that or their life hasn't turned out the way they want. And as I begin to talk to them, I find out that actually they made some commitments to God or they did some stuff a long time ago. And they're just expecting the momentum of those decisions to just carry them through. And actually, for you and I, the invitation today is that we would come and believe in Jesus, but actually that we would continue to believe in him, that we would press in to the way he wants us to live and the things he wants to do. And as we do that, even when there's hard times, our faith will remain. And at some point, God will deliver what he promises. For some people in scripture, you read the story and it's like, God just does it straight away. Joseph took, like I say, 14, 15, 16 years. Who knows? But actually more because of the family, the 14 years of family, a long time. And I don't know for you whether there are things that you feel God has promised you and they're a long way off. Others of you, you just feel like, wow, God has done so much for me. But for either of you, whatever camp you're in, I want to urge you today to remain faithful. Scripture urges us later on to just, just remain, just continue in what we know. Continue in the truth we found. And don't give up. Don't give up. Because at the right time, we will receive a reward. Okay? But the trouble is God's got a different calendar to us, right? You know this? God's not got your calendar. You know, Jesus was an awkward guy to be around because he did everything a bit too late. He's so frustrating. I don't know if you thought about this. I was thinking about it. I was reading my Bible and thinking, Jesus, you were a frustrating man to be around. Jesus, here's one of his friends is dying and the whole team are like, let's go and visit him. And Jesus is like, yeah, not tomorrow. <laughs> okay. They wait another day. Let's go. Lazarus, man, he's, he's sick. We love that guy. Let's go. No, tomorrow. Okay, Lazarus is dead. <laughs> Frustrating. Jesus is preaching one afternoon. I hear the disciples saying to him, "Jesus, it's getting dark. Jesus, we need to send these people off into the town to get some food." I'm only on point three. <laughs> this is a sermon on the mount. This is going to be famous. I'm doing. This is good work I'm doing here, Peter. And he carries on. They come up to Jesus and be like, Jesus, come on, man, it's like five o'clock. Come on. Jesus like, no, I'm going to keep preaching. Eventually gets to the point where it's too late for them to get food. There's now like 3,000 or 4,000 or 5,000 people. They come up to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, you really need to get it. Stop. And Jesus like, nah, you feed them. <laughs> oh, Jesus, you're so frustrating. If you'd have just done what we, told, what we told you to do like three hours ago, they could have gone to Kentucky Fried Chicken or the kebab place down the road. They'd have their food. We could be sitting back. We could have taken up an offering while they were fat and full and they wouldn't be able to move. It would have been great. Jesus doesn't follow our time plan. He doesn't. And you'll know this if you're a follower of Jesus. You'll know this. You're just like, Lord, do this. You need to do it now. No, I don't. I spoke to a girl once here who had given God an ultimatum. She said, I've given God till tomorrow morning. <laughs> I've given, <laughs> seriously, I, I, I sat in my chair and I was talking to her and I was like, 
really? And uh, I said to her, I said, um, just out of interest, what are you going to do to God? <laughs> like, if he doesn't deliver? And she was like, oh, I don't know. I'm going I'm to not come to church. I'm not going to do this. And I said to him, well, I've got to tell you, from what I know about Jesus, he will not answer you just to spite you now. <laughs> because I don't know if you know this, but God is God. And he decides. And I don't know what happened there. I haven't seen her. <laughs> At least she kept her word. God doesn't work on our timetable. So we, we need to remain faithful. We need to every day, in every moment, in everything, as much as we know and that we've come to understand, we need to obey Jesus. We need to lean in and say, God, reveal yourself to me. God, I really want this relationship. I really want this house. I really want this job. I really want some kids. We've got to press in. Just remain faithful. And at the right time, faith delivers. Faith delivers. Let me just go back to Hebrews quickly, just to finish. Now, like I say, that that first statement of Hebrews is uh, the famous bit. But actually, I like verse 2 as well. It's very interesting. So here's uh, verse 1 and 2 of Hebrews 11. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Through their faith, the people of the days of old, they earned a good uh, reputation. That's interesting to me. I never really looked at that and I just just thought, hey man, you don't earn a reputation for one decision. Do you? You don't become a trustworthy person by just doing one thing. You earn it over time. And, it's as I, and this, this Hebrews 11 is a, it's, it's kind of the, called the hall of faith, the great heroes of the faith. And it lists all these people. And I looked at them and I thought, yeah, they, they, these guys did have moments where faith, it, something happened to them. But then actually, you look at their lives and actually their faith continued. And that was the important bit, that they were faithful. For instance, Noah. God says, Noah, build an ark. Noah says, Lord, I'm in the desert. <laughs> but he... By faith, he accepts that what God is saying is true. Now, that's amazing, right? Starts to build the ark. But I've got to tell you, the more amazing faith was two months later when he's still building the ark. And now everyone can see Noah's building a boat in the desert. (laughs) It was easy when God was telling him in his room, build a boat. Okay. But now everyone's there. And it's taking its time. And there's no rain. Every day there's blistering sunshine. He's building an ark. What are you doing? But he remains faithful. And the important thing for you today, and what I want to urge you to do, maybe you once had faith in God. Once you had, you've been at church, maybe you've been away. And you would say, it doesn't work. It does not deliver. It is not true. And I want to urge you, I want to ask you, I want to plead with you. Understand, it's, it's not just a one-off thing. That saying some prayer or doing one thing isn't a magic wand that gets you everything. That actually, the, God's will for us is that we would choose to follow Jesus. That we would believe in him and then we would remain faithful. Jesus said two things. He said, follow me. And he said, 
remain in me. Two things he said. And I want to just give you a push this morning. Just to remain in God. Remain faithful. Because it's only as we do that, only as we allow life and all this stuff to wash over us, but we remain true to what we know of God. It's only as we do that that we'll find that faith delivers. Be it saving faith, healing faith, whatever faith. So I'll just say to you today, if you're in the place where you don't know anything, just be faithful. If you're in a place where life is beating the hell out of you, remain faithful. Because in time, God will reward that faith. God will give you what he promised.